And now for something completely different. Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show. Presented by RIA Advisors. As we speak, we're losing things in the studio. They're falling off the walls. Our infrastructure. We need a new RIA infrastructure bill, Mr. Biden. Welcome to Financial Fitness Friday. What's up? I'm Rich Rosso here with Mr. Danny Ratliff, CFP Squared. So we're happy you're with us. The uh, Financial Fitness sign just took a tumble. That might be the sign oh, of things. Oh, I missed that's, that. That's called foreshadowing based on how the show is going to go today. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, you just can't go- get good Velcro anymore. That's, you cannot. That's how that thing You know, you can't get there. good Velcro. You also can't get good buttons or zippers anymore either. Oh, yeah. Or clasps. Yeah. Anything that's going to keep your stuff together. Forget it. <laughs> but we're here to help you keep your finances together. So Dow Futures down, uh, up 42 points. Let's just put it this way. It's the muck, right? It's the mucky muck. Mark Zandi over at Moody's is calling it a slow session. And that makes me worry, Danny, only because... That dude has more wrong calls than any economist I know. When you look at him, especially through the financial crisis, but uh, Moody's is looking at, listen, this is going to be a struggle in 2023, right? Continue, the Fed's going to continue to aggressively raise rates. Now, today we've got some big numbers. We have non-farm payrolls today, average hourly earnings. So this is going to be a big number. What's your guess on the number, Danny? Come on, give us a guess. What do you think? I think the uh, estimate's supposed to be 200,000 new jobs. Yeah, estimate is, yeah, 200. 200. Median forecast. Previous was 263. I don't know. What do you think? You think we're 180? Yeah, I'm going to say 180, 190 sounds about right. You know, it's stubborn because obviously post-pandemic, we're going through different phase where the metrics don't work. It's, it's, a, it's a demographic clash as well. Right. So during the pandemic, we saw more baby boomers exit the workforce and we are seeing this retitlement or entitlement of workers now. Right. Where they're saying, listen, we're not going to we're we're only going to do what we're going to do. Right. I I was talking on Wednesday about how there are companies that have promotions and nobody goes for them anymore. Danny, they they decide, listen, we're going to do our job and then go home. Right. In some ways, I get it. You know, you do want to have uh, it would be nice once in a while. Even you and I agree that having some sort of balance in life is not a bad deal. We don't understand what that means here, but it it would be nice. So the younger generations want that balance. But I don't understand this lack of ambition to take on a new job or promotion. Do you? No, not at all. I think that there is a balance even with with just anything that you do. Right. And so when you come to work come to work right when you come to yeah. do anything do it and do it well and I, I just don't understand how, how you would not be in fact that it's pretty alarming right You're, you don't have that ambition to want to succeed and do better is that a good employee yeah that's a good point but then how do you find other employees based on labor force participation rate right where we yeah. there's this conundrum of Yes, I, I mean, I understand the, the Fed's concerned about this, this wage price spiral, and w- in some ways we do have it. 
um, especially in the service industry, if you're going to see layoffs, like we talked about on the show last year, Danny, we, we, we said, one, it would be white collar. Mm-hmm. Two, it would be more in the tech space, right? So you're seeing this reshuffling, right? And, and in the finance area, Goldman Sachs, uh, Salesforce, right? We're starting to see the layoffs. But I don't know about you, but like even with us, we can't really afford to lose anybody. Yeah. Right? And a lot of small businesses feel the same way. So they're stuck with inflation. And how are they going to keep their employees happy? Uh, so everybody's getting real creative. We even we're talking about it. How do we, you know, really appreciate our our employees who do such a great job for us, and we love them, and you know they're family to us. But we don't want to lose them, right? So how do we keep them engaged? How do we, how do we, uh, you know, compensate them a little bit more time off? And these are problems that a lot of small businesses and mid-sized businesses have. So maybe it's maybe as the economy gets worse, you you don't provide the wages that you did before. But, you know, this actual unemployment rate going up, how far does the Fed need to go, especially in the face of this $1.7 trillion monstrosity that was just signed in? And we're going to continue our discussion about a very small part of that, the SECURE Act, uh, as we go forward, because we didn't cover it all. And just some really strong highlights here we want to talk about. So this in some ways to me, Danny, almost like after the financial crisis, some of the normal metrics that we follow after a crisis are not going to work. No, they're not working at all, right? I mean, if yeah. you, you think about all the things you just mentioned and what you used to be able to put into that, you don't have that kind of foreshadowing, right? Yeah. It's just not there. So what does it look like? What does it actually mean? And, you know, like Lance was talking about the other day, what, you know, historically when you pivot, everybody wants this big pivot. Historically when that occurs, markets don't typically do real well, mm-hmm. at least for a while, not, not initially. And then they get, get to run, running again. But everybody's talking about the pivot. At some point, does that actually change the game? Does it, is it much quicker? We've talked about maybe having quicker cycles at this stage, kind of like Japan does. They don't have these long bull markets, long bear markets any longer. They're much quicker. Is that what's happening now because of the way that the Fed reacts? And yeah, at the speed, I mean, they can do so. This was a theory that was floated after the financial crisis. Do you just pop in and pop out a recession? In other words, it goes into our muck strategy, right? This is all mucked up. I mean, this economy is like walking with con- with the big shoes in mud, right? And it's hardening up on you. And you might still move forward. So I don't know what's worse, Danny. Is it worse to just get it out of the way? Or is this muck worse? And I, I think this, this, this kind of slow-growth, sluggish, anti-business economy, it creates more frustration as opposed to just cleansing and moving on. Yeah. And I don't know if the and like you said, how far does the Fed need to press it before they got to get to that pivot? Because if they are pivoting, they've broken something. And well, there's and a the lot of shadow is, banking out there with this liquidity draining up that we have to be concerned about. We don't know yet what's coming. Yeah, and that's right. I mean, you look back to 2018 when we saw the Fed trying to hike aggressively at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, October, you know, just after the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, we had what the two best revenue. Uh, beats that we'd seen in Q2 and Q3 of 2018. And the market was actually doing well, ended up down because Powell comes out and says, hey, we're a long way from neutral. In October, market goes down 10%. November, he comes out, 10-year hits it, it caps off at 3.24. And then he says, oh, wait, 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 we're not doing anything. We're slowing this down. We're not going to do any more rate hikes. And from then, the market roars. Right. So 
that could be is, is that maybe what's to come it could be as advisors and as investors you need to be prepared because i wrote about this a few weeks ago for our ria blog and there's a lot of great articles up there right now at real investment advice that i do believe not passive investing is not dead but it is a zombie I believe active investing, I believe investing in individual companies and looking at balance sheets and who's going to make it through this is going to be how you perform well going forward, especially as long as the Fed might stick around. Because even when rates are higher, Danny, how long is it going to take for them to move to, to move lower? I say they stick with them higher rates for longer to, to, to squel, squelch this thing. And we don't know yet what the repercussions are going to be. When we get back, we're going to continue this discussion and talk about other things like the SECURE Act that will be important to your retirement here on Financial Fitness Friday. Stay tuned. Investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Are you as worried about estate taxes as we are? Our first Lunch and Learn of the New Year will focus on family limited partnerships. This valuable tool in the tax code could provide your estate with the safety and security you crave for your family. Join Richard Rosso, Danny Ratliff, and special guest Chris Masters, CPA with Doran Mayhew, Thursday, January 12th at noon, with the ins and outs of family limited partnerships for your estate and tax planning. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. Real Investment Advice. The Real Investment Show. And welcome back. Listen, we don't share with you a little bit of what's going on at RIA. First of all, not only the conveyor belt of writing and knowledge at the blog and the daily commentary, that's all given, um, but we're also going to expand a lot of really cool topics for you to be involved with here this year. And uh, and also how to save taxes and other things you need to be aware of. So on January 12th, we're gonna be doing a family limited partnership lunch and learn. And that's with Chris Masters at Doreen Mayu, one of the premier accounting firms. And you know, Danny, I think we always talk about it. If you think taxes are going down, you are mistaken. We've been talking about it for at least five years. And we wanna make sure you understand how these different mechanisms work. It's not as difficult as you think. We're gonna break it down for you. And then we're going to have a can of coffee at the end of the month. And it's really gonna be about if this year is gonna be the roller coaster and we're in the muck, how do you protect your household? Some financial security tips for your household, but we also want your input. We've got great listeners. We've got clients who listen. We've got great YouTube people who are very animated and funny things that they're doing to make sure that they're financially secure through the new year so we want tips we want your questions as we go forward so and then february we're going to be doing a little bit about financial infidelity and raising money smart kids new presentation that we've created here we're very proud of now i will tell you when you go onto the blog 
when you go on to the website, Real Investment Advice or RIA Advisors, you're going to see we have some great financial guides. And there's one out there just about retirement income and what you need to learn. It's a longer guide, but it'll give you some great information that you need to know to create a secure retirement income and how to do it tax effectively. But there's also there where you can take your test, your money potential, your wealth potential. What kind of habits do you have deep down inside? These tests are really great, Danny, for also the kids and the grandkids to get an idea of what their money script is or their origins of money. And uh, that is available for you and to get the output on that exam from data points. This is in conjunction with Sarah Fallow and her dad wrote Millionaire Next Door. And um, we've talked and I love these tests, Danny, um, that really help people dive into, dig into who they are financially. We did not too long ago. I would love to see Danny's money script, but you, we read mine on the air last year, and it, it sort of, it opened my eyes to a couple of things. But really, I it really helped me understand. I wasn't surprised by some, of the, some of the results I got. But you might be, and your children might be, and these are great points of discussion, don't you think? Yeah, I think it's something that every household should do, and really, I think this is great for a husband and a wife or spouses, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's looking great. at and understanding how each one of you think about money. I think yep. it's so important because look, infidelity and, and money problems are the mm-hmm. root of, of most divorces. So Danny, wouldn't this be good before? Absolutely. As an exercise yeah. before you get married. I'm proud to say I have broken up more engagements. <clears throat> but yeah, but to your point, that's a really good point. And we'll talk about that during financial infidelity uh, month. Well, you know, people do fin- uh, do marital counseling, premarital counseling, I should so get involved it wouldn't in that. be a bad idea to do premarital financial. I'm going to come counseling. in like Sylvester Stallone and Tulsa King. Listen, <laughs> well, that's a big part of it. You should not be involved yeah. in this. You, I don't know, but I think I'm going to whack you. Yeah, that's a terrible Sylvester Stallone. That, that if, was, if he hears that, he's, he's going to drive down here and whack you. <laughs> oh, Janet's already on her way. <laughs> I'll kick your ass, Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> I brought that one upon us. I'm sorry, Brett. <laughs> you did. He, li- I, he subconsciously has a crush yeah. on Janet. Yeah. Everybody likes hearing her. Yeah, like they like to listen to nails on a chalkboard. Mm-hmm. Same thing. <laughs> if you haven't checked out Tulsa King, though, Brett and I were just talking about it. it it's a good show. It is good. Yeah. I lived in Tulsa for nine years. And so you get to see all the... I recognize, the- yeah, a lot of the scenes. Yeah. They do a very cool job with the showing the mm-hmm. the overall area. It's got a nice flavor. The whole show does. Yeah, yeah, it sure does. I didn't see any potholes in Tulsa. Um, Did they reserve they those just for Houston? They do a pretty good job of or? that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's not like Houston. They ship them down here. <laughs> they ship them down here for repairs. <laughs> and we and we don't repair them. No. Yeah. <sighs> In the summer, those potholes, some of them are big enough to be like municipal pools. Well, they become speed bumps in the summer (laughs) because they expand. It's one of those things. Speaking of expansion, the Retirement Act, uh, Secure Act, is expanding your retirement horizon, albeit in a very confusing manner. You know, Danny, um, some of these things I do like, and this is one of the most uh, monumental bills, I think, in our lifetime when it comes to retirement. Um, it's just that everything ignites at a different time 
So you really have to dig into the details or your financial advisor does to understand. I've gotten more calls from people who are taking RMDs that now believe, since they've been taking required minimum distributions, that they can now stop and wait until they turn 73. Because that is the new age. And we're like, no. <laughs> right? You have to be not taking your RMD or 72 now. Right, you have to love how they write this, though. So, I mean, you can't make this stuff up. <laughs> I know. For calendar year 2023, the required minimum distribution age increases to 73 for a person who attains age 72 <laughs> after December 31st, 2022, and age 73 before January 1st of 2033. They'll increase again to age 75 in 2033 for an individual who attains age 74 after December 31st, 2032. <laughs> so now you guys have that, right? Yeah. Who writes this stuff? The same one who writes the president's speech from yesterday about patches on my jeans. The same guys that are going through, what, 12 <laughs> votes to get a speaker installed? It yeah. is. You know what? They get paid to make it more complicated. Well, that's for sure. Right? Well, now they have to, they have to pay some attorneys to tell us what it actually means. Yes. So that's the problem, right? It is. The attorneys wrote this for themselves. Yeah. For them to come back and say, well, here's what we actually meant by this. This is lovely because, you know, the whole RMD problem that we've had over the last year on as far as inherited IRAs, I mean, that's been a big debacle. I mean, they fumbled the ball here multiple times. Yes. Saying we're going to we're going to change what we said. You had that 10 year window. Now we're going to make you take required minimum distributions. And now they're they're signing on. We don't know. You would think that part of the SECURE Act would have been clarification of what happens if you have a non-spouse inheriting your IRA if you're taking your required minimum distribution uh, before you pass. It, again, I even think they're confused. But the most important they're thing— They're confusing themselves. They are confused. <laughs> they are. You know when you can get stuck in that loop by yourself? Yeah. You know, it's like trying to understand what happened with the Planet of the Apes. Like, how did that happen? I still don't understand those time travel movies at all. The so, only time I watched Inception, and I still don't get it, when it comes to the time travel thing, okay, how did Taylor in the Planet of the Apes blow up the planet in this year and then go back to, it's all messed all right, up. Let, let's travel in time and talk about when these RMD ages change, okay? okay? So, Damn you, you nice dirty Nice save, ape. Danny. <laughs> so, so, Rich, so you're getting a lot of questions blown about blown it this. all to hell. No, go ahead. But you know, you're, you're getting a lot of questions about this, right? Yes. So the, the last Secure Act changed it from 70 and a half to 72. Correct. Now it's going to go from 72 to 73. But mm -hmm. when does somebody, at what age do they have to turn 72 for them to actually delay it? It's between now and 2033. Right. Correct. But then 74 <laughs> and 2032. And then 75 after 2033. I'm looking forward to death in 2033. <laughs> so I don't have to worry about it. it. I mean, to your point, let's just make this more complicated than is. Why couldn't Correct. you just raise it to 75? What's with this gradual process? Remember, there was even an iteration before this that was there was another step in yeah. between this, right? Now, here's the double-edged sword. Ed Slot said, and he's an IRA specialist, more than 80% take even more than the required minimum distributions because they need the money. I don't think deferring for many people that who listen to this show and on YouTube is a good idea. 
right? Because we're all about unconventional wisdom here at RAA. You still want to draw down that IRA if that's where the bulk of your savings have been to create tax control in retirement before the government mandates you take a distribution. Whether you take out money every year to live, whether you take out every year to do surgical Roth conversion, whether you just put the money in a plain old vanilla brokerage account, you want to have assets that are taxed differently to be tax efficient. So for Danny, a lot of times, and there have been some articles written about this, waiting on this RMD can create a real tax bomb for you overall, especially when it comes to Social Security taxation and Medicare IRMA. So it may not be the best idea for everybody. But what I do like, I do like the relief on the excise tax of 50% of the contributions you shouldn't have taken. First of all, they've made it so confusing. They've taken that 50% penalty. And I will tell you, you've had experience with this. It's very tough to get that waived. Yeah, you can. I mean, we, we've there are some ways to get around that, but yeah, it's super frustrating, mm-hmm. and and it's really even more frustrating right now with, you know, what's gone on over this last year of them, you know, kind of going back and forth on what they're going to do, and so right. this is this is one of those things I think is actually good within this bill, but let's face it, most people are living on these funds. Uh-huh. Now you're right, there is a huge tax bomb sitting out there because I'm still talking to a lot of people saying, listen, I, I just can't, I don't want to pay the additional taxes. It just hurts to write that check. Um, to do a conversion or to take take funds out. That emotional hurdle is big. Yeah. It, it is huge. And, and I think it's very difficult for many people to overcome that. So what we find, though, is that over time, they just dwindle down their after-tax accounts. And then what? You're stuck. Right. Then I got only pre-tax, right? And everything I do is taxable. I want to go ahead and I want to spend hundred grand. I want to give the kids a gift. Whatever I want to do. But this SECURE Act, I will tell you, is really written for wealthier investors for the most part. And that's why it's important for us to share this with you. They're not hip, They're not helping the average Joe. No, they're not helping the average worker. When we get back, we can continue our discussion about the SECURE Act 2.0. Here on Financial Fitness Friday. Damn you all to hell! daily investment news you can use delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com Are you as worried about estate taxes as we are? Our first Lunch and Learn of the New Year will focus on family limited partnerships. This valuable tool in the tax code could provide your estate with the safety and security you crave for your family. Join Richard Rosso, Danny Ratliff, and special guest Chris Masters, CPA with Doran Mayhew, Thursday, January 12th at noon, with the ins and outs of family limited partnerships for your estate and tax planning. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. Real Investment Advice. The Real Investment Show. And welcome back. She danced like nobody was watching, but people were watching, and she looked like bees were attacking her. That's Brent's funny for the morning. It's a nice visual. Depends on who you're visualizing. Yeah, well. So the SECURE Act is going to take a while for everybody to digest. 
based to Danny's point, it's like alphabet soup with a lot of letters in it um, and different triggering times and events. So what I do like, Danny, is Roth, obviously, the message overall theme in this bill is Roth is not going away, right? Correct. I mean, the only thing I worry about is you're going to have simple and SEP Roth IRA options. But how long is it going to take, say, for companies to say you have this option or paperwork done to complete that through major custodians? Just like I can now take my employer match and place it in Roth. And I don't know if those mechanisms will be in place uh, or when they'll be in place. See, that's going to be a company by company, custodian by custodian yeah, I can see this one taking years to actually implement, unless they mm -hmm. said, hey, guys, you have to have this done by X date. And I didn't see anywhere in the bill that suggested that. Me neither. So Me neither. This is going to be one that, fantastic, I really like this aspect of it. And like you said, it further solidifies the thought that Roths are not going away. Those contributions are needed because they need your money now, not later. And um, we've said this, even though they battled Roth with Peter Thiel and all of that, that you and I have been steadfast saying that Roth is the J.G. Wentworth yeah. of accounts. The government gets money now, so it made sense that they expand these options. So they're, they're closet endorsing it to some degree. Now, here's what I don't like about this. The emergency savings aspect to this bill. The leakage. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, have an, you could take money out of your IRA account for pretty much anything, but now planned participants can withdraw $1,000 a year without early withdrawal penalties penalties, and must repay within three years. And then you have to wait another three years to take out another $1,000. Now, again, this doesn't, you're still subject to taxes. So that, that's still a thing. Um, in addition, a rainy day account will be offered where employees contribute $2,500 a year and allowed four penalty-free withdrawals per year. I don't like mixing this stuff up. I think you have to have that emergency reserve, but they just can't get away from the leakage because Wall Street wants the money. It, it's just, again, I don't like the blending of this. What do you think? No, because like you said, they want the money. So essentially you're encouraging, and I think that, you know, we talked about psychology just a bit ago, mm -hmm. and I think this is a huge part of it where if you set these funds aside, psychologically, you need to think this is not going to be touched until retirement. Lock so what box, do you need right? to do, number yeah. one? Yep. You need to build that foundation. You need to build the emergency funds. You need to bolster the financial vulnerability cushion. God forbid multiple things happen in one year that are just, you know, things cost money, right? And then you can start funding these types of accounts aggressively. And so I'm not saying don't do a little bit of each. I think everybody can have their own method mm -hmm. or, you know, paying down debt. However, I think this is a problem because what it's teaching people to do is that, hey, I'll just put these funds aside. It's easy which is great. And I think that we need to make this easy, right? We always talk about paying yourself first, putting things on autopilot. Yep. The people who are most successful typically do this. But if you're only doing that, and then you begin to believe that you can start taking from this, it's just, it's just that psychology, Rich, that you know not only can you start making these withdrawals, but now you're going to start thinking, well, maybe I just take that loan out. Yeah. Because it's just, it's, uh, it's the gateway drug. It is. It, it is. It, that's a really great way to put it, actually, a gateway drug. And, and financial pundits push this drug, right? They, they, they zealously promote these tax-deferred accounts as opposed to helping the, the masses prioritize 
and plan how to save and invest. And see, at REA, right, we've created this hierarchy, as Danny pointed out. So I don't like having the ability to take more out of these accounts. Granted, after the financial crisis, I was one out there. I was pushing real hard. I was sending letters to my, my representatives. You have to, you have to waive taxes and penalties on IRA withdrawals. These people you have pushed into these accounts, this Wall Street have pushed in, now they're out of work and they've got all their money in tax deferred accounts. You are kicking them when they're down. Now they need the money to survive and you're going to hit them with penalties and taxes. It is ridiculous. So I could see, Danny, during a financial crisis of some kind, having a temporary key to open the lockbox, to pull funds out for a period of time, and then giving a grace period to pay it back, say five years, right, during a financial crisis because as opposed to, and again, preaching a hierarchy of savings. So, yeah, I am not a fan. Yeah, but even then, how many people pay it back? Yeah, but I, I understand that, and I totally get it, but at least what you're doing is, God forbid, somebody, and how many people did you talk to the financial crisis? I know that I did that were out of work, and the only thing that they could do was take money out of their IRAs and 401ks. And they say, my gosh, I need this money so bad, but now I got 10%. You know, I'm going to pay 40% to the government to yeah, net out just, what I need. Just to, to pay some, bills. Just to pay my bills. And now only that, I'm a taxpayer that's going to be on the hook for bailing out these institutions. Correct. So – they have to find a way to do this better, and we'll talk about that. Now, this excess finance—my my daughter called me. Dad, I read about the excess 529 contributions to Roth. <laughs> so I like this. Again, I think it's geared for more diligent savers, wealthier investors. Excess 529 contributions can roll over to Roth accounts beginning in 2024. Okay, but there are specific rules. So how many people overfund— a 529. Financial people. Huh? Just people that do that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm, in this, I'm in this boat specifically because Haley got the scholarships and so forth, and now I, and I saved all these years for her. But now what you can do is you can transfer some of that money to a Roth for the beneficiary. So, so a in couple other words, caveats, though, right? Caveats, right? So let, why don't we talk a little bit about what the restrictions are, Danny? Yeah, so the account has to be open for at least 15 years. So mm -hmm. ideally, this is when most people start these accounts for children's when they're, they're very young. So if you're going to start using this at 18, I think this is pretty normal. Um, the other caveat is you can only do up to $35,000. So mm -hmm. this is where good planning needs to come into play, where you say, hey, here's what we believe costs are going to be. For education, mm -hmm. you put these funds aside, we see growth, and you need to start doing some planning for this. Because, look, if there's excess, that's great. You can always switch to another beneficiary. Um, but I really love this part of it, that you can move this to a Roth. I think this is great. You're actually telling the kids that Roth is good. Yeah. They're actually following our rule about Roth, right? So then these rollovers, so say I wanted to start this with my daughter next year. I can only do $6,500, say 2023, but whatever that's going to be in 2024, hopefully indexed, right? Yeah. What I, and transfers are only made to the beneficiaries, Roth, usually the child. 
In other words, it's not like you're going to be able to move it to you and then you're the beneficiary. You know what I mean? Again, you're going to have to follow these rules to do these transfers. And there is, to Danny's point, a cap of 35000 But if you're doing this for your children and you are now putting the money in Roth, the government is telling you we like Roth for your kids. And that's something we've always talked about, custodial Roths. Roths for young people, Roth 401k starting out, not traditional tax-deferred Roth, uh, tax-deferred IRAs and, and 401ks. So I, I sort of like this. Um, I don't understand some of the caps on this, but it, like you said, Danny, if you're planning properly, maybe you don't overfund these to begin with. But, you know, again, there's a lot of turmoil with colleges and how kids are going to be looking at things over the next couple of decades yeah no i agree but what better gift can you give a a child you know obviously paying for their education and then if you can start them off i mean imagine thirty five thousand dollars in a roth at 22 23 years old yeah that's pretty fantastic you know what i wonder about so now you say you have done a 529 in this in a state that has or give has given you a state tax deduction okay for your 529 contribution and now they get wind that danny you're going to move some of that money that I gave you a deduction for. How dare you? That's my Greta. How dare you? Oh, that was pretty good. Into a Roth. Would I come back to you and say, you know what? We're going to tax you on that on a state level. Because we gave you a deduction for that purpose, and now you're not going to use it, and the money's going to come back. I wonder if states find a way to... Yeah, it's just something I think about. Yeah. You know, can those states come back and say, you know what? That's a good concern. How I mean, I would dare think you. there would be some you. way when that occurs that I would assume they would try to come back and say, hey. It doesn't sound great if Janet goes, how dare you? That's what Greta's going to sound like, though, in 40 years. So, um, so the Roth is, again, there's ways that this bill is giving you a heads up for Roth. And we don't talk about Peter Thiel anymore and how evil he is. Ultimately, though, you're going to have to sit with your advisor, understand the mechanics of this. There is also the ability – now, qualified charitable distributions are very popular. So people that hit uh, their required minimum distribution age wind up giving quite a bit of money to charity for the deduction. I do like this ability for you to spin some of this off, Danny – to unitrust or charitable trusts, which means your financial advisors are going to have to bone up on charitable mm-hmm. trusts. Uh, and not everybody's going to want to do a charitable trust, but some will. So this gives you once-in-a-lifetime ability to move $50,000 as part of your qualified charitable distribution. What do you think about this? Um, I think this is, an, this is a great idea. You can put these funds aside and use them for charity. I mean, I think charitable intent is always great. People historically, especially right now in this environment, have been using, they've been going more towards, I think the charitable trusts have been as popular as of recent. And what we've seen a lot more people use is like private charitable foundations yes. or even more so donor advised funds. But I you're think this, right. is a, this is a good segue into it. You know, there are people, uh, listen, I believe there are going to be a lot of single retirees. In other words, they didn't have family. 
they've been divorced, they never got remarried, they're by themselves, and they don't want to leave that money to the government. They might, and they're in a higher tax bracket, you might see more of a use in charitable trusts for tax-free income yeah. down the road. So just something to keep in mind. When we get back, we're going to talk about what's the biggest predictor of lifelong health and happiness here on Financial Fitness Friday. Stay tuned. Advice blog. It's required reading for the informed investor. Catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com. Are you as worried about estate taxes as we are? Our first Lunch and Learn of the New Year will focus on family limited partnerships. This valuable tool in the tax code could provide your estate with the safety and security you crave for your family. Join Richard Rosso, Danny Ratliff, and special guest Chris Masters, CPA with Doran Mayhew, Thursday, January 12th at noon, with the ins and outs of family limited partnerships for your estate and tax planning. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. Real Investment Advice. You're listening to The Real Investment Show. like I was on the Poseidon adventure there for a minute with the cameras. (laughs) Did you know, Danny, more U-Haul trucks left California than any other state in in 2022? And guess where they're going? Where? Texas. More moving trucks left from California than any other state in 2022 for the third year in a row. New study published by U-Haul. Or they say, don't, hedge. don't California my Texas? Yeah. I, that's. I don't know. It's an interesting theory, right? Because then you look at Florida and you see how red it is. Like, are people just, are, I mean, have we split the United States just by us moving and picking up and moving? Or, <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting. Just remember, <laughs> you're refugees, not missionaries. Ah. I like that. That's a good point. Yep. How do you become a, how do you, can you move to refugee status? Do you have to read like the Alamo reader? (laughs) Yeah. One 1100 pages of that or what? You must, you must do the um, independence trail tour before you move here. Texas history course. Yes. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Every year dragging my daughter to the Alamo. (laughs) Dad, what? Yeah. Uh Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We did that once a year. (laughs) Take her to Washington on the Brazos. <coughs> that's a great park. Oh, I know. It's a great yeah, park. Yeah. Although, I don't know. Based on the Pee Wee Herman movie, there is a basement in the Alamo, and <laughs> I've never found it. Have you? <laughs> I love that movie. Thank you for that visual. 
<laughs> Your bicycle's in the basement of the Alamo. <laughs> Oh man, that is a great. It is a great. It is a great trip to see it, and to and to study the history. And there are a lot of great books about the Alamo for you to read. And one of the best movies came out about about twelve, fifteen years ago mm-hmm. about the Alamo. It is a good movie. Who, Billy who Bob did that? Thornton played yeah. uh, David Crockett. Yeah, but Dennis per- Quaid, I think, played. Casting. Yeah, Dennis Quaid was in it, I think. Yeah, but that was one of the best Alamo stories. The John Wayne one, mm, about that. But um, Billy Bob made it. Yeah, he really did, didn't yeah, he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Billy Bob's also really good in, uh, he was in 1883. Yes. As well, with his handlebar mustache mm-hmm. and stuff. So. You going to grow one of those, Danny? Uh, maybe. Okay. Usually I do that about the time we go skiing just to drive my wife nuts and everybody else. Because, you know, when you're from Texas and you go anywhere, they expect you to just look like a hillbilly. So yeah, or on a horse. Correct. So usually I just wear a tuxedo T-shirt, ski in that, nothing else. And you can wax the ends. Yeah, I shave yeah. handle handlebars uh-huh. is usually what I do though. When I was in New York and I talked to all, I always talked to the NYPD. My mm-hmm. cousin was on the NYPD for yeah. years, and they're like, "Hi, dude, what? Are you just moved to, from Texas, and uh, where's your horse, buddy?" <laughs> it's like, oh gosh. But that's what I thought when I first moved here. Do I have to get a horse? What do I have to do? Yes. That should be the requirement as well. Not in Houston. In Houston, you get a Mustang. Do you? You get a lot of other things, too, that we can't talk about on the radio. That's my horse. Uh, I thought you was a Miata horse. That's what it wants to be when it grows up. That would be a cool name for a horse. Miata, Miata. And if you haven't seen Giant, Danny, you've had to see Giant, the old movie. Man, about Riata? Okay. You got to watch that. That is one of the best stories about Texas with Rock Hudson and Elizabeth Taylor. Giant. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, just epic. Just the scenery. <clears throat> of course, they did film that in Texas and it's just interesting to see. So Danny and I, when we talk about it in our right lane classes and our re- retirement classes, we always talk about how important it is to remain social in retirement. And now, Danny, there's a study that relationships are the biggest predictors of lifelong health and happiness. And what happens a lot of times when people retire, especially men, they go off into this little hole and they don't remain as social. But this is out of the Harvard study of adult development who asked, you know, who would you call in the middle of the night if you were sick or scared? Well, and it it suggests that people are living longer who Mm -hmm. form these bonds and these relationships over time. And we see that when people retire early, take Social Security early, historically their lifespan is not nearly as good as somebody who they delay it, they wait. Um, they're not sedentary. I think that's a big part of it, right? When you find a – and that's that's the biggest part really in many ways that we find is that what's the qualitative aspects of things that you're going to do? Where will you find your purpose? And a lot of times that's in relationships. So it's, this study doesn't really surprise me in that in that aspect of it. Yeah, it – it is so important to look at the qualitative aspects of retirement. And financial plans, yes, always talk about the money. But there is a heck of a lot more to it for longevity and health and happiness in retirement. But not only that, that, that quantitative follows the qualitative, right? Because you're going to – those are going to be tied together because mm-hmm. what you're going to spend your time on, the activities, the hobbies – 
they're going to cost money historically. Correct. So you need to know both. Because what we find many times is we just plan for the bare bones basics. And then you start realizing, oh, shoot, this costs a little bit more than I was anticipating. Oh, I picked up this hobby. Now I'm doing this. And we, that's okay, right? We'll revise these plans. Right. But at the same token, it's really nice going in, and that way you don't fall into that black hole we talk about. It, it absolutely is true, and we write about this black hole or this transition. And I think a lot of people fell into it when they quit during COVID, and it was too cold turkey for them. So we're seeing a lot of people return to work, maybe not because they need the money. It's just because, wait a minute, I wasn't really ready to retire or move on to this uh, next stage. you got to find an advisor that gives you the full color of retirement. In other words, it's not just the numbers, even though the numbers are important. It's really what those next steps are going to look like for you. Um, <clears throat> the quality of your retirement, if you're okay financially, uh, is important. I would say almost equally important to the money. And remaining social, and it's just so funny, when they did this study, they were amazed on how much this question or how much impact this question had and how much it revealed about people's relationship. And this is based on the, the Stanford Center on Longevity as well. I think women um, are a lot better at remaining social and staying active during those years. Oh, no doubt. Than men. I know I could probably sit on the couch and watch gun smoke for three days in a row, and that's not good. I mean, you got to get up and go. You got to go outside. You've got to do things that keep you out there um, overall. And I think it's going to be tougher, Danny, if the demographics, as they show, and a lot of retirees alone. How do they engage? And I think a lot of these communities that allow social engagement are going to be important to longevity. You know, what? I'll tell you this. I've, I've talked a lot. I've had a lot of clients here recently who've moved into like the Dell Webb communities uh -huh. or retirement communities that um, are 55 plus and there's so many activities. And, you know, it used to be you get a little bit of feedback where it wasn't always positive. But over the last year or two, mm -hmm. everybody who's done so absolutely loves it and it's been a great way for them to segue into retirement because they kind of they can walk out the front door go see a friend go to the clubhouse go to mm -hmm. you know happy hour uh, and there's an activity for everyone so if there's something you want to engage in you can typically find it so absolutely i think the dell web communities look at the villages in florida i yeah. have clients that i was like we are you ever going to leave they never leave yeah <laughs> they've got all these activities all day they're busy all day. And then, like, I know Dell Webb has community up in the woodlands and some other areas I've been helping clients look at costs because I do have clients who, older men especially, who are isolated. And that's not healthy. So I'm trying to get them out into these other communities and take away some of the stigma that this is, these are not nursing homes. Mm -hmm. And by the way, Danny, Giant was filmed in Marfa. Really? Yes. Actually, the, and the, the, the the ranch was called Riata, and there are some elements of it still left. It was filmed on the Ryan Ranch. It's always like to watch the movie to get an idea of what Texas was like back then. And Marfa is cool, still, well, cool story. Not exactly the same, but. Well, it's, you know. All right. See you soon, guys. Have a great weekend. Lance on Monday. Take care.